Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'ah. Allahumme arinal hakka hakkan ve arzukna ittiba'ah. وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَأَرْزُقْنَا اِجْتِنَابَهِ رَبِّ شِرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسْتِرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْاُقْدَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bed-Uz-Zaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the 10th word. The 10th word is about the verity, reality of life after death, bodily resurrection, the hereafter, reward and punishment in the hereafter. This is a lengthy treatise. It has three main sections. The first section, as we read, was a representational story in which two friends find themselves in a paradisical land. One of them understands from what he observes around that this is not the be all and all. There is life after that place because everybody departs and they will also depart and there is something beyond the apparent reality of that limited space, the other one does not come to this conclusion, being defeated by the vain desires of his lower compulsive soul because he wants to live freely and take whatever he wants, whether that belongs to him or not. In the end, the righteous friend convinces his other friend. Then we move on to the second section in which Stad Nursi elaborates on some of the themes, metaphors, uh, figures of the representational story and tells us what they correspond to in reality. And the third section is uh, about reality itself. And Ustad Nursi gives us a total of 12 proofs, uh, demonstrations as to the verity reality of life after death. And the representational story here sets uh, the the, the stage for us, it sets uh, patterns of thought in our minds that we can now use in order to understand the truths that Ustad Nursi elaborates on in the third section of the 10th word. We read through the first eight of these truths and we began reading the ninth. Inshallah, we will try finishing the ninth truth today. Just as a reminder, I'm going to read the first paragraph of the ninth truth first and then move on to the section that we are inshallah going to be completing today the ninth truth this is the gate of giving life and giving death it is a reflection of the names of the living the sustainer the giver of life and the giver of death as those who, who have been listening to the episodes of the tenth word from the beginning or some of them uh, will remember each of these truths start by Stadnursi telling us that it is the gate of something 
the gate of something we observe in the apparent reality, the visible reality that we live in. And this is evidence for something higher, something beyond it. That is why it is important. It is a sign of something. It signifies something. In this truth, we are looking at the phenomena of life and death or giving life and giving death. We see that things that do not have life attain life and things that have life lose life. So somebody must be giving it to them and somebody must be taking it from them. It is the reflection of the names of the living, the sustainer, the giver of life and the giver of death. After this phenomena that we observe in the visible reality, Ustad Nursi tells us that these are the reflections, manifestations of one or some of God's names and he lists those names for us. And from there, we move on to think about a Lord, a God, who has these attributes, these names, that we know about through their manifestations in the uh, phenomena that we just observed in the visible realm. What do we expect from him after we depart from this land? Because we see it is an undeniable, re undeniable reality that everybody who comes to this world leaves it. We will leave too. What is going to happen after we leave? What can we expect from the Lord that we get to know? by observing reality around us, importantly, under the guidance of the Quran. So here we are looking at the names, divine names of the living, Al-Hayy, the sustainer, Al-Qayyum, the giver of life, Al-Muhyi, and the giver of death, Al-Mumit. The first paragraph of this truth outlines almost everything that is to come and therefore I am going to read that too, inshallah, only in English before we move on to the uh, section where we had left in the last episode. Is it at all possible that a merciful, all-powerful one and an all-wise, all-knower, these are of course referring to God, and Ustad Nursi always uses these names in the most appropriate way, in the most meaningful way way. He does not randomly select names and put in the text for, let's say, reasons of rhyming, poetic reasons, etc. But he selects them in accordance with their meanings and therefore we should highlight this. Is it at all possible that a merciful, all-powerful one and an all-wise, all-knower who gives life to the entire earth when it is dead and dry, who demonstrates his power within that resurrection by resurrecting and dispersing more than 300,000 species of creation, each one of them as amazing as the resurrection of humans. Here the reference is to spring, and Ustad Nursi is talking about 300,000 species based on the information that humanity had at the time that he lived. Today we know that there are more species than that. And that's okay. We can just substitute whatever number is supposed to be there. What matters is that this is about a lot. There is a lot of species. 
there's a lot to be done in each spring, who demonstrates the all-encompassing reach of his knowledge in that resurrection and dispersal through utmost distinction and differentiation within utmost mixing up and intermingling, who directs the sights of all of his slaves to eternal felicity by promising the resurrection of humans in all of his heavenly decrees, who demonstrates the tremendousness of his lordship by causing all existent beings revolve head to head, shoulder to shoulder, and hand in hand within the circle of his command and will, and by making them helpers to each other and subjugating them to one another, who shows how much importance he gives to man by creating him as the most comprehensive, most delicate, most subtle, most pampered, and most supplicant fruit of the tree of cosmos, and by accepting him as his addressee and subjugating everything to him. This is the Lord. This is a, this is a def description of God. Right? A God like this, is it at all possible that he will not bring about the rising, will not and cannot create the resurrection, will not or cannot give life to mankind, will not be able to establish the supreme tribunal, and will not be able to create the paradise and hell? Is that possible? And this is a rhetorical question. The answer is, God forbid, never. And then we go on to detail all of these uh, various themes in this paragraph. We left uh, somewhere close to the end of the of the ninth truth, and inshallah we will continue reading from there. Hem bu bahar haşrine benzeyen dünyanın her devrinde, her asrında, hatta gece gündüzün tebdilinde, hatta cevvi havada. Bulutların icat ve ifnasında haşre numune ve misal ve emare olacak ne kadar nakışlar yaptığını gözünle görüyorsun. Moreover, you see with your eyes. Again, the tenth word and most of Ustad Nursi's work is not about theoretical contemplation only. It's about reflection upon the creation following god's command to do so we look around we observe things in the cosmos and we do this with the full understanding with full understanding that they are signs of creation they are god's signs they are signs that take us to an understanding to a knowledge of our lord and therefore it is important that we see things with our eyes we look and we see. We try not to be one of those who look and cannot see. Even though they see physically, cannot see the meaning in it. What matters is that we see the meaning in things. Not only the colors, not only the shapes, not only the forms, but also the meanings that they indicate. We look at what Ustad Nursi calls elsewhere, manaya harfi, the indicative meanings of things and this is a skill that we need to cultivate we need to try an important aspect of it is that we try to reconnect with our sense of wonder and amazement the way that small children have that sense of wonder whenever they see something new and beautiful and interesting they are so excited about it 
we need to reconnect to that sense we need to shed the sense of familiarity that makes us think that everything is normal nothing is normal if we mean by normal simple easy not worthy of attention insignificant nothing is normal everything is a miracle we need to reconnect with the sense of wonder which should take us to our amazement and awe before the one who creates them so you see with your eyes how many embroideries that can be the examples similitudes and indications of resurrection he is making in bringing clouds into existence and annihilating them in the atmosphere or in the alternation of night and day in each of the earth's epochs and centuries that are like the resurrection of the spring so again we look at the sky on a clear day then toward you know late afternoon we notice that clouds are starting to gather and it's almost like an embroidery it's a lace work it's beautiful and then they keep gathering and gathering perhaps it rains and then it disperses it disappears clear again so where did they come from where did they go to somebody brought them into existence somebody took them out of existence this somebody is able to bring things into existence and take them out of existence we see that we see that with our own eyes when we look at the sky and of course we gave many other examples of this phenomenon in the earlier sections of the ninth truth but what really matters is that we need to be able to see this with that sense of amazement we we had a thought experiment in the previous episode about this we imagined that we lived on a different planet where there were no trees no life people just ate the earth and survived by getting their nutrition from earth and then we dropped this person from that planet on earth at the end of winter when things were dry and there, were, there was no sign of life or no apparent sign of life and then the spring came in a few days flowers started to bloom leaves started to shoot from the tree branches and plants started to come out of the ground imagine this person who was just waiting there you know thinking that this land is like his land back in planet x but here on this place on earth all of a sudden everything changed and life sprang forth imagine the amazement of that person and try to get there try to get there that is the true way that is the correct way to look at things things do not just happen somebody makes them he has a purpose in making them then we need to think about the purpose and the quran tells us that the purpose one of the purposes is that they are signs we need to learn we need to teach ourselves to look at phenomena in the creation as signs as things that signify something we look at the sky we see the clouds gathering and dispersing and we understand from that that the one who does this is able to bring things into existence and take them out of existence and similarly the alternation of the night and the day at night everything is dark nothing is visible 
as though it, they, are, they are not in, in existence for us in our sight. If they are in existence, their sight is not in existence. And all of a sudden, the day breaks and things start to take shape and come into existence. Our sight of them comes into existence. Hatta eğer hayalen bin sene evvel kendini farz etsen, sonra zamanın iki cenahı olan mazi ile müstakbeli birbirine karşılaştırsan, asırlar, günler adedince misale haşir ve kıyametin numunelerini göreceksin. This is so much so that if, in your imagination, you assume yourself to be there a thousand years before this, and compare the past and the future, which are the two wings of time, you will see as many examples of the similitudes of resurrection and the day of rising to the number of centuries and days. Each century, each epoch, each unit of time in the longer uh, durée of time, each unit of time in there that can be considered to have some kind of unity in itself. Be it a century, be it an epoch, be it a period, be it an era, right? All of those, something comes into existence. That is why we are considering it as something that has a kind of unity to itself. Something comes into existence. It, it has things that were not there before. It has thoughts, materials, communities, ways of interaction happening. And then the epoch changes. The century the era changes, and those things that define that previous epoch are not there anymore, but there are new ones. And then the day and the night we just talked about. These are all signs of, examples of, similitudes of resurrection and the day of rising. And the thought process that we follow here is that. We asked, can the Lord that we observed in the creation, can he do this? Can he give life to us after we die? Because that's, after all, what the mushrikun, the, those who ascribe partners to God, the deniers, the disbelievers at the time of the Prophet wasallam, asked. They said, after this, after we die and our bones crumble apart and become like dust and mix into earth after that is this this god that you are talking about going to give us life and this is all a response to it it's coming uh, shortly god's response to that was look god is doing this all the time look around for instance in the spring how while everything was dead he gave life to them look how everything was dark at night and disappeared from sight. He gave life back to them. He gave existence back to them with the, with the daybreak. He is doing it. You're asking, can he do it? And he is showing that he is doing it with an example. Think about a, let's say a cook and you ask, can this cook do scrambled eggs? Because you are preparing for a feast and in the feast, let's say you are going to host 50 guests. 
and the cook comes to you and comes to you and says, I can cook scrambled eggs for your guests. And you say, okay, but I want to make sure I don't want any accident to happen. I want to make sure that you can make scrambled eggs. Can you really make scrambled eggs? The cook pulls out a pan, some eggs, cracks the eggs, scrambles them, cooks it and puts it in front of you and says, yes, I can. He made it in front of you. What else do you need? Perhaps you want to ask, you know, about scale. Can you make it for 50 people? Well, what we see is that God is making it again and again, every day and every night, every alternation of day and night. He is making it again and again. Every year in every spring, he is making it again and again. And he is showing that he makes it in thousands and thousands, perhaps millions of species, billions, trillions of individual animals that were dead and that came back from their eggs. In billions of trees that were dead, water had you know, left their body that were that had stopped their uh they, their metabolism and then with spring the temperature rises and life comes back to it he is showing us that he is he is showing us that he is doing it so if we see it with our own eyes what doubt can we continue to have we cannot this is this all makes sense what we see around entails what he says he will do. Sonra bu kadar numune ve misalleri müşahede ettiğin halde haşri cismaniyi akıldan uzak görüp istibad etmekle inkar etsen ne kadar divanelik olduğunu sen de anlarsın. And after you observe so many examples and similitudes if you still deny bodily resurrection considering it unreasonable and therefore deeming it unlikely, you too will understand what a lunacy that is. Lunacy. That is what it is. How can you deny something that's happening in front of your eyes? Bak, fermanı azam, bahsettiğimiz hakikata dair ne diyor? Bismillah. Fenzur ila athari rahmetillahi keyfe yuhyil arda ba'da mevtiha. İnne zâlike lâ muhyil mevtâ ve huve alâ kulli şeyin kadîr. Fanzur. Look. And here, just as a side note, we always say that the Risale-i Nur is a commentary on the Qur'an. And sometimes one may not feel, one may not see that explicitly because Ustad Nursi doesn't go verse by verse and then word by word doing the and grammatical analysis of the sentence and then the morphological analysis of the word and then coming to the meanings from that and so the the usual established way of formal quranic commentary he does that in earlier works of his and he does that in a masterful way but here what he is doing is he is digesting the meaning he has digested the meaning that is in the quran and the prophetic traditions and the example of the of the uh, companions of the Prophet وسلم, he is giving us what he elsewhere calls milk. The, a good scholar, a good scholar is not like a bird that regurgitates the information that it had ingested. 
A good scholar ingests the knowledge, digests it, and gives you pure milk that's full of nutrition, has no harm, and the unnecessary parts, the parts that are necessary in conveying the meaning, but not necessary in in in um, establishing that meaning in your mind and spirit and and heart, right? He he purifies that knowledge, and this is necessary for the um, people of our times who do not have the time or patience to go through the artist's work of sitting in front of a scholar let's say for 15 years in order to acquire some of this information we are very blessed that god gave us a scholar like Bede Uzzaman Said Nursi at this time whose work conveys us the reality the just the kernel the essence of the information that we need in order to have a better understanding of our Lord, in order to excel in our knowledge of our Lord. Those who have the time and opportunity should sit down in front of a scholar and study. And those who do not have that time and opportunity should look for times and opportunities to do it. But for those who do not, do not have that time and opportunity, this is a blessing of God for our time that the outcome of that study, which is knowledge of God, is packed in these treatises in such a beautiful way. And one would also not make the mistake that, okay, this is just all of that, you know, summarized. This is not the real thing. No, this is the real thing. This is the essence of that. And there is addition on top of that too. So Stadnosi does not just reiterate what was out there in summary form, but he gives us more. He gives us, if nothing else, the skills to read the signs in the creation in order then to reach that information, that knowledge of God on ourselves too. And there's a lot more to it as we read that will become clear. But again, as a side note, we need to be grateful that we have the opportunity to access such purified essential knowledge in such easy form which is a blessing of god to the humans of our times we can probably say due to our poverty due to our lack of him lack of effort compared to those who preceded us but out of his mercy god is continuing to give give us that opportunity alhamdulillah so bak farman azam bahsettiğimiz hakikata dair ne diyor look what the tremendous decree says on this reality that we are talking about all of this tenth word is a commentary in this verse that is to come it is from uh, Surah Al-Rum, the 30th chapter of the Quran, and the 50th verse is a part of the verse. And in addition to that, um, and some who have spent some time on this say that this actually is the, the um, digestion of about 300 or so verses from the Quran. 
But this is the one that leads all of those verses. Look, look then at the imprints of God's mercy. Look all around and you will see God's mercy imprinted on, on everything as signs. How he restores the earth to life after death. The earth dies. Again, this is in the winter. And then in spring, he restores the earth to life after death. The same God is the one who will return people to life after death. Were you asking how is he going to do that? This is how he is going to do it, the way he is doing it. He does it. You see it. He'll do it in the same way. He has power over all things. Al-Hasl. Hashremani, hiçbir şey yoktur. So we are um, coming to a conclusion. This is the conclusion of the ninth truth, but in a sense, it's a conclusion of everything that is that that came before the ninth truth. The entire tenth word that preceded this this uh, conclusion. In conclusion, Hashemani, hiçbir şey yoktur. There is nothing that precludes the resurrection. That makes us think that no resurrection is not possible. There is nothing that renders the resurrection impossible. It is possible. Nothing that precludes the resurrection. Muktezi ise her şeydir. And everything entails it. Everything tells us that this is what makes sense. Everything tells us that my existence and the meanings that come from my existence entail, require its existence. The existence of resurrection. Evet, mahşere acayip olan şu koca arzı, adi bir hayvan gibi imate ve ihya eden ve beşer ve hayvana hoş bir beşik, güzel bir gemi yapan ve güneşi onlara şu misafirhanede ışık verici ve ısındırıcı bir lamba eden, seyyaratı meleklerine tayyare yapan bir zatın, bu derece muhteşem, ve sermedi rububiyeti ve bu derece muazzam ve muhit hakimiyeti elbette yalnız böyle geçici, devamsız, bir karar, ehemmiyetsiz, mütegayir, bekasız, nakız, tekemmülsüz umuru dünya üzerinde kurulmaz ve durmaz. So everything entails it. Everything entails resurrection. Yes, the so utterly magnificent and perpetual lordship. And the so utterly tremendous and encompassing sovereignty of an entity. Who is that entity? Of course, God. God. Utterly magnificent and perpetual lordship. Caring. When we say lordship here, we, uh, we will understand both ownership and care. Sometimes they translate as the nurturing master. God is our lord. He is our rub. And his attribute of being the Lord is named Rububiyya and we translate it usually translated as Lordship but we need to understand when we say this we need to understand the entire package nurturing master he nurtures us and he's our master he's our caretaker and he's our owner 
and we need to listen to him. He's also our discipliner. The so utterly magnificent and perpetual lordship and the so utterly tremendous and encompassing sovereignty. He has power over all, all things. We just said in the verse and we, we, we see it when we look around. So utterly tremendous and encompassing sovereignty of an entity. So what kind of an entity that is? Who gives death and life to this massive earth, which is a place of resurrection for such amazing things. Remember, we need to keep that sense of amazement. Like an ordinary animal, he gives life and death to the entire planet earth as if it is like an ordinary animal. As if, you know, he is giving life and death to, let's say, a sheep or an ant or a bacteria. The entire earth with all of its massiveness, if you think of it like from a distance, look at it from a distance and see all these things growing on it and then disappearing, isn't growth a sign of life? And then isn't that transformation a sign of life? It is as if the entire earth is a living organism and God gives life and death to this entire organism as a simple ordinary animal, as if it is a, a simple ordinary animal, who makes it a pleasant cradle and a beautiful ship for humans and animals. A pleasant cradle. Um, you know, when um, the earth was first created, it was a a huge mass of gas and particles and all sorts of other things and then it started to cool down and became denser and denser but it became something special there are many many many other planets around the cosmos around the universe that we observe and we have not found one that is so suitable for life as the earth it became something special. The, the soil, for instance, is hard enough for us to walk on it and build on it, but it's also soft enough for us to dig it, dig it and put our put seeds in it and cover it again. So it is it is it has this capacity to be um, manipulated it has this capacity to be manipulated and through that manipulation we are able to cultivate the earth so this did not have to be like that there are some planets that that are you know hard rock there are some planets that are so soft like gas gas like there are some planets where the surface surface is liquid like the earth has soil and has rocks that are firm and that, that hold our giant buildings on it. And then it also has water. And this is what the plants needed. It was like a cradle for plants at the beginning. And God created plants on the earth. The way you prepare a cradle for a baby and then put the baby in the cradle. And then 
with the plants as the plants developed and grew now it became suitable for life a higher level of life animals it became like a cradle for animals and god created animals on earth everything that they needed was here prepared for them and now it was ready for a higher level of life humans and god prepared the earth like a cradle that you prepare for a baby as you expect a baby everything everything that the baby needs you make sure that his or she is going to be safe and sound everything was prepared here and then god created man and sent him down to earth like a cradle it looked like punishment and there was an aspect of punishment in it but the, the wisdom the, the larger broader wisdom was that he was sent down to here to live on it to be god's vicegerent and also he was sent down with a duty what is the duty to know the lord to know god from the message that god sends to us and also from the other kind of message his signs in the creation so who makes it a pleasant cradle and a beautiful ship like a ship that is sailing in space if we were to think about how many different kinds of motion that the the celestial bodies are involved in and the earth is involved in and being one of those celestial bodies and we think about the speed at which it is moving around itself around the sun uh, in the galaxy and the galaxy is moving if we think about all the various motions and speeds involved in this whole thing it becomes amazing that we are feeling the way we are feeling on this earth as if we are stable there's nothing scary there is nothing to as if it is prepared for us we are sailing through time and space on this earth but it is made a safe ship for us everything we need in order to sail safely is prepared on it who makes the sun an illuminating and heating lamp for them in this guest house can we imagine life without sun we need the light that it gives to us we need the heat that it gives to us god makes it give light and heat to us he made it like a lamp and he put it at such a distance that it is neither too far nor too close if it were too far it would be too cold here and not suitable for our lives if it were too near it would be too hot here and we would burn subhanallah glory be to him he made this he made this for us who makes celestial objects planes to fly on for the angels this is something that will come later in the risale uh, nur uh, ustad nursi tells us that the wisdom that we observe in god's creation of not creating anything for vain and of course this is the wisdom that we get from the quran too they always corroborate one another the wisdom that all these living objects on this earth have a purpose and the earth itself the lifeless objects on earth also have a purpose and the lifeless objects serve the living objects that wisdom tells us that the one who does it in this way here will do it like that elsewhere too and there is life everywhere there is life everywhere 
anywhere there are objects, inanimate objects, there is life that they serve too. And angels are the residents of the heavens. And Stratnursi says that he, you know, he, God made the planets planes for them. Angels and there may be other heavenly bodies that we don't know about. So we are talking about God and we are reading these to describe the entity, the God that we are referring to, who gives death and life like giving it to an ordinary animal to this massive earth, which is a place of resurrection for such amazing things, who makes it a pleasant cradle and a beautiful ship for humans and animals, who makes the sun an illuminating and heating lamp for them in this guest house, who makes celestial objects planes to fly on for the angels, cannot be built on. His lordship and his sovereignty, the lordship and sovereignty that we are seeing in his creation, that cannot be built on and would not rest upon such temporary, impermanent, unstable, insignificant, changeable, unlasting, deficient, and incomplete affairs of the world. The lordship and sovereignty that we observe here and attribute to him is so tremendous that this world cannot be a match for its tremendousness and absoluteness. Demek ona şayeste daimi, berkarar, zevasiz, muhteşem bir diyara akar var. In that case, there is another abode that is permanent, stable, unending, and magnificent as is worthy of him. Başka baki bir memleketi vardır. He has another kingdom that is everlasting. Bizi onun için çalıştırır. He makes us work for that. Oraya davet eder ve oraya nakledeceğine, zahirden hakikate geçen ve kurbu huzuruna müşerref olan bütün ervahı neyira ashabı, bütün kulübü münevvere aktabı, bütün okulu nuraniye erbabı şehadet ediyorlar ve bir mükafat ve mücazat ihzar ettiğini müttefikan haber veriyorlar ve mükerreren pek kuvvetli vaat ve pek şiddetli tehdit eder, naklederler. He employs us for that, he invites us to there, and all bearers of luminous spirits, all axes or poles of illuminated hearts, and all possessors of enlightened intellects who have transcended from appearance to reality, who have been honored with the closeness of his God's presence are bearing witness in agreement that he has prepared a reward and punishment and they are conveying that he is much forcefully promising that reward and much sternly threatening with that punishment again and again repeatedly. Khulful vaadise hem zillet hem tezellüldür. Hiçbir cihetle celali kutsiyetine yanaşamaz. As for breaking a promise, it is both abjectness and humiliation. It cannot even come close to the sanctity of His Majesty in any way. Hulful vaid ise ya aftan ya acizden gelir. As for failing to fulfill a threat, that is either from forgiveness or from impotence. Either the person who promised or threatened with punishment, uh, changed his mind, forgave, decided to forgive, 
the criminal or he is not able to, is not capable of inflicting the punishment that he said he is going to. Halbuki küfür cinayeti mutlakadır, af bakabil değil. However, disbelief, kufr, is a crime of an absolute nature. It cannot be forgiven. Here there's a side note and we will come to it at the end. We talked about this before and that will be uh, somewhat of a repetition. Uh, disbelief is a crime of an absolute nature. But before that we should highlight that disbelief is not a perfect translation for kufr. Uh, literally kufr means to cover up. It is covering up something that you know and deep in our hearts we all know that God exists. We were in his presence before we came to this world. Because of the filth and rust and all sorts of other ailments, sicknesses that cover our hearts, human beings fall into kufr, into disbelief. And it is a crime of an absolute nature. It cannot be forgiven. It cannot be forgiven. Kadir-i mutlak ise acizden münezzeh ve mukaddestir. And the absolutely all-powerful one is beyond and, beyond and sanctified above impotence. We cannot ascribe powerlessness, impotence to him. He is above, beyond that. He is sancti sanctified above that. Şahitler, muhbirler ise mesleklerinde, meşreplerinde, mezheplerinde muhtelif oldukları halde kemali ittifak ile şu meselenin esasında müttehiddirler. Now, we talked about the promise and threat, and we established that we cannot expect God uh, not to fulfill his promise or not to fulfill his threat. Doesn't work. Okay, then what about the reports that we are receiving? What about those who say that God promises this and God threatens with this? As for the witnesses and reporters, although they have different dispositions, different characters, and different paths to follow, they are unified. They are unified on this matter with perfect agreement. And people from all different sorts of runs of life, sometimes who do not see one another, if they are all agreeing on one thing, then they cannot lie about that. They cannot lie about that. That's that's a logical conclusion. Kestretçe tevatür derecesindedirler. They reach the degree of broad authentication from the point of view of quantity. Tevatur, broad authentication. We talked about this before. Uh, if we have a report that is reported from multiple sources that each originate from individuals that are uh, separate from one another and that cannot have uh, consulted with one another on this particular matter, right? then we have broad authentication and that information it this entails that that information should be accepted as accurate keyfiyetçe icma kuvvetindedirler so that was quantity what about quality they have the power of consensus from the point of view of quality that is the content of what they are suggesting all agree what they are reporting all agree. Mevkice her biri nevi beşerin bir yıldızı, bir taifenin 
gözü bir milletin azizidirler. So what about them as persons? Are they valuable people? They are each a star of the humankind, the eye of a people, and the venerable notables of a nation in their ranks. The eye of a people meaning that the eye is so important to us, right? They are so important among their people and they are the venerable notables of a nation with regard to their ranks. Ehemmiyetçe şu meselede hem ehli ihtisas hem ehli ispattırlar. With regard to their significance, they are both the authorities on and the bearers of affirmation in this matter. What does that mean that is coming? Halbuki bir fende veya bir sanatta iki ehli ihtisas binler başkalardan müreccahtırlar. Ve ihbarda iki müspit binler nafilere tercih edilir. So they are authorities of this matter. They know what they are talking about. They have specialized in this. They have studied this. They have acquired knowledge about this. And they are affirming an information. They are authorities and they are suggesting that something is something in their field with regard to a matter that concerns the field that they have specialized in they are affirming a matter they are saying that something is something as opposed to something is not something they are affirming they are not negating with regard to their significance they are both the authorities on and the bearers of affirmation in this matter in a science or craft Two authorities of the matter are preferable over thousands of others. Let's think about a traffic accident happened and there's a crowd gathering around uh, the, the people who were involved in the accident. There are two uh, men who are both lying on the ground. Thousands of people gathering in, in there and everybody says something. Somebody says, lift him up. Somebody says, no, don't lift him up. Keep him on the ground. Somebody says, open the chest somebody says do this somebody says do that and then there comes one person he says i am a medical doctor i know the situation i know what needs to be done here and then everybody moves apart he is the authority will leave the word to this person however if this is something even more important if this is about uh, the establishment of a disputed matter in the field right then we look for at least two authorities to confirm we look for the experiment let's say that one of the authorities does to be confirmed with another one so that it is it is repeatable it is repeatable because perhaps the first one although he is an authority is not honest or perhaps the first one although he is an authority he made a mistake out of absent-mindedness Right? But when two, two of them come together and confirm, their affirmation is preferable over thousands of others. Now, first of all, that they are specialists of the matter, but together they are preferable over thousands of others. And then the next, the next point is, in reporting a matter, two affirmers are preferred over thousands of negators. Again, why? Because... They are affirming the matter. They are saying that this is what it is. They are proving the existence of something. And we talked about this before too. Proving the existence of something is much easier than proving the non-existence, absence of something. 
because to prove the absence of something you have to sift through look at be aware of the entire universe in which you are proving or disproving the existence or absence of this thing but when you are proving existence you only need to point to it and therefore in reporting a matter two affirmers are preferred over thousands of negators for example mesela Ramazan hilalinin sübutunu ihbar eden iki adam binler münkirlerin inkarlarını hiçe atarlar. For example, two men who report the appearance of the Ramadan crescent totally nullify the denial of thousands of deniers. Elhasıl, dünyada bundan daha doğru bir haber, daha sağlam bir dava, daha zahir bir hakikat olamaz. In conclusion, there cannot be a more accurate report, a sounder claim, a more apparent truth than this in the world. Demek şüphesiz dünya bir mezradır. In that case, without a doubt, this world is a cultivating field. Mahşer ise bir beyderdir, harmandır. As for the place of gathering, mahşer in the hereafter, it is a threshing floor, a harvest field. Whatever is cultivated here will be taken there and then the Grain will be separated from the chaff. Cennet, cehennem ise birer mahzendir. And the paradise and hell are each a storehouse. The grain will be stored in one and the chaff will be stored in another one. So inshallah we will uh, read the side note too and then finish. The side note was about the sentence. Um, let's go back there. About this sentence. However, this belief is a crime of an absolute nature. It cannot be forgiven. The side note will explain why. Evet, küfür, mevcudatın kıymetini ıskat ve manasızlıkla ittiham ettiğinden, bütün kainata karşı bir tahkir ve mevcudat aynelerinde cilve-i esma'yı inkar olduğundan, bütün esma-i ilahiye karşı bir tezif ve mevcudatın vahdaniyetini olan şehadetlerini reddettiğinden, Bütün mahlukata karşı bir tekzip olduğundan istidad-ı insaniyi öyle ifsad eder ki salah ve hayrı kabul eliyakatı kalmaz. Hem bir zulmü azimdir ki umum mahlukatın ve bütün esma-i ilahiyenin hukukuna bir tecavüzdür. İşte şu hukukun muhafazası ve nefsi kafir hayra kabiliyetsizliği küfrün ademi afını iktiza eder. Neuzubillah. İnne şirke le zulmun azim şu manayı ifade eder. Yes, because disbelief attributes worthlessness to existent beings and accuses them of being meaningless. Disbelief attributes worthlessness to existent beings. Why is this world created? Well, it is not created, it's just there. What does it serve? It doesn't serve anything. What is its meaning? There is no meaning. Disbelief attributes worthlessness to existent beings or rather takes away the worth from existent beings. It accuses them of being meaningless because it is an insult to the entire cosmos and a denial of the reflections of the names, divine names, on the mirrors of existent beings. If you told me, you are worth nothing, you mean nothing to us, I would be insulted, right? That's what this belief does. It tells everything in the creation, you are worth nothing. You mean nothing. 
because it is an insult to the entire cosmos and a denial of the reflections of the names on the mirrors of existent beings. Now, everything is a manifestation of God's names. And therefore, when you say you are nothing, you have no meaning, that goes to God's names, to the divine names. Because it is an insult to the entire cosmos and a denial of the reflections of the names on the mirrors of existent beings. Because it belittles the divine names and rejects the testimony of existent beings to God's essential oneness. And because it amounts to a refutation of all created beings. It corrupts human aptitudes in such a way because of, because of all of this. It corrupts human aptitudes in such a way. What aptitudes is that? Well, knowing God, worshipping God, glorifying God, being the vicegerent of God on earth, showing mercy. It corrupts human aptitudes in such a way that there remains no capacity for rectification and receiving good. Moreover, it is such a tremendous oppression that it constitutes an infringement of the rights of the entire creation and all divine names. So, the preservation of those rights and the incapability of the disbelieving lower soul to do or receive good entails disbelief not to be forgiven. Inna shirka la zulmun azim That's from the Quran, chapter 31, verse 13. And one meaning may be Ascribing partners to God is a terrible wrong, a tremendous oppression. This expresses, this statement from the Quran expresses this meaning, that this belief is not to be forgiven. May we stay from away it and may it stay away from us. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana. إنك أنت العليم الحكيم فآخر الدعواهم أن الحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة